you've heard of The Onion, Chicago's own satirical newspaper. It is known for its outlandish fake headlines like identical twins unconcerned after having bodies swapped by lightning strike. But this week, The Onion's getting involved in a very real court case. Its head writer sent an amicus brief to the United States Supreme Court defending Anthony Novak. That's a comedy lover from Parma, Ohio. He was arrested for creating a Facebook account parodying his local police department. Now, Novak was cleared of all charges, but now he's suing the police department for violating his right to free speech. Here to tell us more is Mike Gillis, the head writer of The Onion and author of the amicus brief. Hi, Mike. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. I got to start with this, Mike. What does it mean to parody a local police department? What did Anthony do? Well, the way parody functions is you imitate exactly how a certain form appears, its aesthetics, its tone, its subject matter. And so what Anthony Novak did was exactly that. He performed parody the way that it's existed for thousands of years and and that uh, in a way that The Onion continues to do today. So how did you hear about the case? The case came across our desks in early August. A mutual friend uh, who knew somebody at the Institute for Justice um, put it in front of us. And our editorial side and legal side took a look at it. And we all just agreed that this was a, a no-brainer and something we really wanted to get behind. Not just because Anthony Novak's case is worth considering, but because we thought it was a symbol of kind of a larger discussion around parody that we thought could be both entertaining and really um, enlightening. Yeah. Well, it seems like your your method of defending satire is to use satire. I mean, your, your brief introduces The Onion as a, a newspaper that, quote, enjoys a daily readership of 4.3 trillion and has grown into the single most powerful and influential organization in human history. Do you think that'll work, Mike? I think it absolutely has worked. And, and part of the reason is it's just an example of how powerful um, parody is as a forum. If we had just stated our um, our stance on the situation dryly in a typical amicus brief, nobody would be talking about it. We definitely wouldn't be having this conversation, but we made the brief into an example of parody. And I think it's really demonstrated why this should be a protected form of speech. Mm-hmm. You also cite uh, a lot of real court cases as precedent here. So tell us what kind of research that took. Right. So we call ourselves America's finest news source. And thankfully, we also had America's finest legal minds on the case. So it was a very collaborative process between um, Anthony Novak's legal team and the Institute um, for Justice and our own staff. So I kind of came out of the initial conversation about this brief with a mind that was racing with ideas that I really wanted to get down. And I wrote it right away. I put down like 1500 words in one go, but then we went back and forth. And thankfully, uh, because I have very, very, very little understanding of American <laughs> case law about parody, they were able to really bulk it up and, and throw in the, kind of evidence that that shows that uh, parody has been protected and, and especially Anthony Novak's um, attempt at, at parody, ha, that kind of parody has been protected over the course of uh, all of U.S. legal history. Mm-hmm. This is Reset. We're talking with Mike Gillis, who's head writer at the satirical publication The Onion. He just wrote a brief to the U.S. Supreme Court, which defended the free speech rights of an Ohio man who created a Facebook account parodying his local police department. So 
Mike, someone might say that Anthony Novak's posts could be mistaken for the real police department, right? But you argue satire is okay if, if a, quote, reasonable reader can tell that it's fake. Can you just explain that a bit more for us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the fact that people fell for it is actually just part of the form of parody itself. It stretches back to a word origin, para, and ode, uh, to alter an ode. So there's this poet poetic uh, form known as the ode back in Greek and, and Roman times. And people like Horace made fun of it by imitating it down to the meter and the self-serious uh, tone and the subject matter. And he then he kind of tweaked it very slightly. And that pattern of feeling like you're reading something and then having the rug pulled out from under you is extremely powerful because it allows us to critique a form from within and kind of make it devour itself. Um, and, and so actually in, in one part of the um, brief, we try to illustrate this uh, 15 pages in, there's just an unbroken chain of Latin legal words that come out of nowhere. And then we say, look what happened. Um, mm. We just moved from a dry amicus brief um, that probably uh, had bored you into tears at some point. <laughs> and now, now we've listed a bunch of Latin terms and, and kind of showed you how a legal argument might obscure how hollow it is by using a, a shower of, of legal terms. And what wouldn't have worked, worked there is to do a disclaimer at the top of that paragraph and said, say, buckle up, we're about to make this form critique itself and mm -hmm. we're going to list our argument against it. That, that wouldn't be interesting. It wouldn't be entertaining. It'd be a little stodgy, but more importantly, it would be stripping um, our amicus brief of the power of parody, which is in this give and take between duping a gullible reader and then revealing to them, no, 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 this was mocking that form. It wasn't the form itself. I see. I see. Well, Novak's um, civil rights lawsuits already been thrown out by a federal circuit court because of qualified immunity, where courts can actually grant police officers legal immunity for things that they did on the job. Does your brief take a position on that? Well, we feel in the Institute for uh, Justice feels that a First Amendment right um, should cover everyone. And so qualified immunity is this loophole that prevents people like Anthony Novak from being covered by the history of parody law, which is usually very robust. Um, so our stance is that he, he should absolutely be covered and also regardless of uh, a person's stature, uh, for example, Anthony Novak is not as popular as a parodist as The Onion, but we feel like these laws should extend to everyone and, and it should be a cause that all Americans can get behind. Mm -hmm. So what's the response been? Like, have you heard from lawyers or just you, the general public? It's been almost universally uh, effusive and positive. So it's been very gratifying. We actually heard from a professor in Brazil who's going to translate it into Portuguese to teach to his students. And um, a lot of other legal experts have been talking about how it's one of the best amicus they've ever read. So very, very gratifying. So do you think the Supreme Court will actually take on this case? Well, unlike the Supreme Court justices, I have not been gifted with the divine gift of infallibility. <laughs> 
So unfortunately, I can't weigh in on that, but I would hope that they at least consider it and, and consider the brief and the spirit that it was given, which is a sincere argument for why this kind of speech should be protected. I mean, and, and if the court doesn't take it, do you worry that the case will, will set a bad precedent for free speech? Yeah, absolutely. That's why we got behind it, um, because ultimately our bottom line and our ability to write satire is dependent on a robust First Amendment and a court system that protects that. And so to have a foot in the door of shutting down speech like this is is definitely chilling. Mm-hmm. Just thinking of our, our discussion on satire in general, I'm thinking of the fact that people have actually been fooled by the onion before. I mean, what do you do in those situations? So our, our intention is never to fool the readers. And we have pretty extensive conversations in the room about whether a reasonable reader would be able to understand this. But I mean, I've is... been fooled for, I mean, a short period of time, but I've, I've had to look at things twice. Like, wait, what? That happened? Oh, right. It's the onion. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And, and I'm sorry about that. But I do think that's, again, part of the forum is, is this sensation of being fooled and then this double take and realization. No, 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 that can't possibly be true. And, and so we've actually had world leaders. We've had Kim Jong-un. Um, we declared him the sec- sexiest man alive in the early aughts. And the Chinese uh, state news agency covered that as a true story. Um, domestically, we've had Congress people fall for the idea that Planned Parenthood was opening an $8 billion abortion plex. Um, and so in those cases, although we don't like to fool the average reader, to fool uh, an authoritarian or a uh, propagandist is actually really fun because they reveal how unreasonable they are. And again, for the average reader, it's extremely funny that Kim Jong-un thinks he's the sexiest man alive <laughs> because he's a pudgy dictator. <laughs> That's, that It shows how deluded by his own propaganda he's become. Yeah. Well, does The Onion have any next steps planned for for defending satire or free speech in general? Yeah, I think we're going to open a legal firm um, and and just move forward from there with no I can't even tell if you're being being honest with me, even in this moment. Isn't that exactly what we've been talking about? Exactly. (laughs) Mike Gillis is the head writer at The Onion. Thank you so much for for giving us serious news outlets here a chance today. Thank you so much. (laughs)